4: That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
3: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we are talking about Of course, Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that is happening. I'm with you each and every week at the same time on the same channel. So if you're not driving, if you're not driving, if you are, you can pull over. Why don't you just grab your phone real quick. put a reminder on your calendar to join me each and every week at this time, at this channel, as I talk about Bitcoin and what is happening in this decentralized revolution, where this will be the most important, the most profitable part of your week. We're literally witnessing technological revolution. A a technological revolution is different than just a new technology in a sense that it doesn't just improve things, it literally changes the course of humanity. Now, When these happen, it represents massive opportunities or what we call wealth transfers. Wealth transfers where it takes money from the old class of people and moves it to the new class of people. And this is our opportunity. It's the largest wealth transfer that we will ever see in our lifetime or multiple lifetimes for that matter. And that is why it is so important for you to understand Bitcoin. Now, understanding Bitcoin is not easy. It's not easy, which is why you should, again, tune in to me each and every week. I mean, really, you have to understand six or eight different um, disciplines in order to really grasp it. I mean, I've been studying now for about seven years, and I'm still trying to figure it out. And you have to understand things from economics and monetary history and philosophy and game theory, um, technology, all these different things. And so that's why it's important to kind of tune in each and every week and keep learning, keep growing your knowledge base. And so each and every week, I'm going to hit you with a bunch of different topics to really build that out. And um, I try to bring to you, you know, some teaching, some education, some foundation, I want to bring to you the latest and bright break, uh, latest breaking news each and every week. Um, so you're up to date on what is happening. And of course, I try to bring some of my friends, uh, some of the brightest people in the space to really give you that perspective so thanks for tuning in to the mark ma show where we're talking about bitcoin of course and um you know for this week i wanted to talk about something i was just this last weekend i was in houston texas and i was speaking at a conference with uh i got to share the stage with one of my uh, we'll call him heroes um, and that's a former congressman dr ron paul and dr ron paul he created a movement And the movement was based off a book that he wrote in the year 2009. And the book was titled, End the Fed. In the Fed. Uh, And that's short for uh, Federal Reserve, if you're wondering, it's the Central Bank of the United States. The Federal Reserve, uh, the Central Bank of the United States is what uh, creates all the money. They create the money supply, um, they manage the interest rates, and through those things, they manipulate. They manipulate the markets. And so, uh, you know, he, he wrote this book in 2009, and he was one of the first people that I know that really brought the attention of the world onto the Federal Reserve to the Central Bank of the United States. Now, the the Federal Reserve was created in, in secrecy. Um, way, 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 way back in uh, about 100 years ago in the year, really, really from like 1907 to 1913 is really when it was kind of put into um, effect. Now, if you really want to know, which I would advise you to do, uh, there was an amazing book written called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And they really explain all this. And basically, it's a story of how the bankers took over the world. Um, if that's what you really want to know. And and uh, it's important to understand these things because, like I said, to understand Bitcoin, um, you have to understand a lot of different things, one of those things being monetary history. If you don't understand what money is um, or where money came from or how money developed, it's going to be really hard for you to understand what Bitcoin is. Of course, you still have to understand technology and all these other things, so it's a, it's a deep subject. But one of the things that I've really tried to focus on for the last uh, – Well, however long I've been making content, which is a number of years at this point. But one of the things that I try to focus on, and you'll notice, um, when you tune into me each and every week, is that I try to focus on why? Why do we need Bitcoin? A lot of people will tell you that Bitcoin has no value. um, There's no need for it, there's no use case for it. things like that. And so I try to focus on why. Why do we need Bitcoin? Why is Bitcoin important? Why will Bitcoin change things, etc. And so um, again, to really understand the impact of this, you have to understand what it's here to fix. Now we say fix the money, fix the world. That's a big statement. <laughs> I can talk to you every single week for, uh, for a long time covering um, all those ways that uh, fixing the money can fix the world. But then I guess to understand why fixing the money will fix the world, you have to understand why money is broken and to understand why money is broken, we have to go back to the Federal Reserve. Um. So, anyway, like I said, Ron Paul. Uh, I was speaking with him at the at the event this weekend, and um, he wrote that book in the Fed, and really brought a lot of attention to that, and um, it's kind of created an entire generation of people like me that have become, uh, you know, empowered and want to really start pushing this message and so um shout out to ron paul um he was a, he's a true living legend he's gotten old i think he's 86 years old now um but i can tell you that he got up on stage and he went off for about 45 minutes without skipping a beat he didn't have charts he didn't have graphs he didn't have notes he didn't have powerpoint presentation he had nothing and he literally just ran through his talk for 45 minutes um 86 years old um In contrast of uh, President Biden, who I believe is 79 years old and uh, barely knows where he's at from time to time. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Ma show, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that is happening. And we are talking about why. Why is Bitcoin important? Why do we need Bitcoin? Why can Bitcoin fix things? Why does fixing the money fix the world? And like I said to understand that we have to understand uh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve. And so again, um, talking about Ron Paul really started this movement. but um, I went on to say that the doctor the doctor diagnosed, the problem. So Dr. Ron Paul, he diagnosed the problem. And the problem that we have with the central bank with the Federal Reserve with with somebody, anybody having a money printer, is that it leads to a number of bad things. So for example, some of the things that he warned us about, and and our founding fathers warned us about, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, was that the Federal Reserve or the central bank, the ability to print money, an unlimited amount of money, um, arbitrarily, is that you get this these never-ending wars. And so really the, the first central bank really got started in the Bank of England, which we'll go back into in a little bit, um, in the late 1600s, and it was created so that they could go to war. They needed more money, so they created a central bank to print money. Um, and when we have this unlimited expansion of money, what happens is uh, through Parkinson's law, Parkinson's law says that anything will swell to the... Um, allocation allotted to it. So for example, time management, if you have Two weeks to get a paper done, it's going to take you two weeks to get the paper done. If you have to get the paper done by tomorrow, you're going to get the paper done by tomorrow. Um, If you have a tube of toothpaste, you might go through that tube of toothpaste in two weeks. But once you get down to the end, you could make that very last part last for two weeks. Um, And so, also, money is the same way. You might notice that as you make more money in life, you just spend more money. Well, you're not alone in that. As a matter of fact, the government does the same thing. And so, when they have this endless amount of money and they continue to print, money at will, we get a massive expansion of the government. Just like uh, you personally, if you make more money, you buy a bigger house, you buy more cars, you buy more stuff, you expand. Well, the government also does the same thing. The problem with that is that when you increase your assets, you're increasing your private property, your life energy. When the government does it, they are opposed, they're exact opposite to yours and my freedom. And so basically, you can look at it like a teeter-totter, like a pendulum. And on one side, you have the government. And on the other side, you have your liberty or your freedom. And the bigger the government gets, the less liberty you have. And the more liberty you have, the smaller the government must get. Make sense? The bigger they get, the more regulations, the more people, the more laws. And the more laws and regulations you have, the less freedom you have. When I turned 18... And I was able to vote for the first time. Uh, my dad told me one thing that I'll, I'll never forget, and I say all the time. I tell my kids um, for when they're ready to vote. But um, the one thing he told me is that whenever you go to vote, always remember this one thing he said. He said, every law, no matter if you like it or not, whether it's good or bad, it means less freedom. And so that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's opposite of our freedom. So, as the government grows, it's done that. It also um, lives against natural law. So, natural law like sowing and reaping. Um, the government doesn't have to produce before it consumes um, and lots of other things. Um, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And today, we're talking about Dr. Ron Paul, the End the Fed movement, and how that leads to why Bitcoin. Uh, I'm going to explain some uh, warnings from our founding fathers in a second. Don't go away. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about, of course, Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin each and every week. We're trying to walk you through this decentralized revolution that is happening right now before your very eyes. And it's a big subject. It's a deep subject, and it's um, it's it's rapidly changing, rapidly moving, and so to to really take advantage of it, in order to be positioned properly um, for this revolution that's happening, you need to understand it. And without the proper education, you just really can't take the appropriate actions. And so that's what I'm, I'm here for each and every week. I got your back. I'm going to bring to you the latest breaking news, of course, the education, and then uh, some uh, amazing, some insightful, some entertaining guests as well. today, um, right now, specifically, I was talking about before the break, talking about um, this last weekend, I was speaking at a conference in Houston. And I was getting to share the stage with uh, Dr. Ron Paul, former Congressman, Dr. Ron Paul. And he, he started a movement called End the Fed back in 2009. And I was saying, why? Why do we want to end the Fed? Who is the Fed? What does the Fed do, et cetera? And and uh, while you may not at first understand what this has to do with Bitcoin, you have to understand that Bitcoin is attempting to fix the money. It's attempting to fix a broken system. Well, if you in order to understand that, you have to understand what the system is and what's broken about it. And so that's what we're talking about today. Like I said, Ron Paul started that movement, and I'm here just trying to carry the torch for him. He's 86 years old. Um, he's still still crazy sharp. I mean, like I said, he got up on stage and spoke for 45 minutes without missing a beat. Um, But still, we need to carry the torch, and, and he's motivated me. He's motivated thousands of people like me, and hopefully I'm going to motivate thousands of people like me, and we're going to continue to expand this. Uh, one of my quotes that I love to say is um, Samuel, Samuel Adams, not the beer, <laughs> the one of the founding fathers, Samuel Adams, he said that all it takes is for a small, tireless minority, so a small group of people, Um, to continue to light small brush fires in the minds of men. So that's what I'm trying to do. Ron Paul did to me. I'm trying to do to you. Let's keep this thing going. But back to what the doctor diagnosed as the problem. Um, So the, the government, but the ability to print money, allows the government to live against natural law. So instead of producing before they consume, they can just print a bunch of money and they can steal. They use that to steal. We'll get into more on that in a minute. And through all this endless money printing, um, what they're really doing is depreciating the value of all the other currency. So all the money in your bank account and all the money you're going to make next week and next year, they're stealing the purchasing power or the or the value right out of that. Now, to understand this, um, I always like to go back to the beginning. We'll go back to the future. If you watch my YouTube videos, um, you'll know that I always try to uh, pull this historical narrative in. And if you don't watch my YouTube videos, then you should. You can just Google uh, Mark Moss. You'll find those. But if we go back to the beginning, we go back all the way to the founding of the United States, and then we'll go back even further in a second. Um, but we were warned by our founding fathers many, many times um, about the dangers of having a central bank, uh, the dangers of what the banks would do, um, and, and even more importantly, how it was going to affect us. And so uh, I'll read you a quote here that I love that I used at this talk, and it's from Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson had a lot of great things to say, uh, or I should say bad things to say about the bank. Um, he wasn't a big fan of the banks. And he said, quote, If the American people ever... Allow private banks to control the issue of their currency. If they ever allow banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation. So, how do they control it? Well, what do they control? They control the currency. Who controls it? The banks. So who controls the banks? What do they control the currency? How do they control it? By inflation and then deflation. Now, unless you're living under a rock right now, all you're hearing about on the news is inflation. As a matter of fact, I believe it was yesterday, day before, anyway, this week, the new CPI—that's the Consumer Price Index. That's how the government measures inflation, which is wrong. I'm going to get to it in a second, uh, but that's how they use. They give us this, this single number, which is, is stupid. But anyway, to the point, um, they projected, or they they forecast, or, or I should sorry, not forecasted. They told us <laughs> that the number, the official number, came in at seven percent, seven percent inflation. So that's the a record. I believe it's a four-decade-old record. Um, we haven't seen prices get that high. Now, to tell you what that means in reality, that means that the pri- that the, the prices they track, which are wrong, but the prices they track went up by 7%. Um, what that really means is that your purchasing power went down by 7%. So that means your $100 now only buys um, $93 worth of goods and services. To put that into perspective for you, if we ran that out over three years, you've lost 21% of your purchasing power. So now your $1,000 only buys you or your you know, whatever $100 only buys you um, 90. And i have a calculator. But you get it, 21% less. Um, so anyway, um, the American people allow private banks to control the issue of their currency first by inflation and then deflation. That's the key piece, all right? Inflation, deflation. It says then the banks and corporations that will grow up around these banks, so the other banks and the corporations that are around these banks, here's the key piece, will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered, end quote. So that's Thomas Jefferson, he warned us, the banks would control the currency by inflation, deflation, and they would deprive us of all property um, on the continent our fathers conquered. So let me tell you how the the Federal Reserve uses inflation and deflation in order to do that, exactly what Thomas Jefferson warned us of doing. Um, And so, like I said, you hear about this inflation, deflation, but you probably don't understand it. And so let me explain that to you. Now, like I said, if we go back to the beginning, um, the first central bank really that was created was the Bank of England, and that was in 1649. And again, at the, at the time, the Bank of England was at war. They were at war with France, and they didn't have enough money. Imagine that. So typically, wars would end. Wars would end when people ran out of money. And a nation would actually really think about going to war first because they didn't know if they had the money. And so they'd have to go do I have enough money to go to war? And is it worth me spending all my money? to go to war? Of course, the answer is usually no, which is why we didn't have a lot of war. And if it was going to go to war, it was only a very serious thing. And then like I said, wars would typically end pretty quickly. Um, but basically, uh, the bank of England want to go to war with France, they didn't have enough money. So the bankers at the time, the countries would always borrow money from the bankers. And they'd borrow money from these rich people. And they went to these bankers and said, Hey, we need to borrow money, we want to go to war. And the bankers came up with a plan. And they said, Hey, check it out. We have an idea. Um, here's what we'll do. We're going to loan you as much money as you want to go to war. But, of course, there's a but. But what we need is we're going to establish a bank. And in that bank, we're going to create our own currency. And if... You make that legal for us to do that, and you tell all the people of England that our currency is the new currency to be used. If you do that, then we're going to go ahead and give you as much of that new currency as you want so you can go fight these wars. (laughs) Pretty crazy, right? I mean, shoot, who wouldn't want to do that? So um, if you tell everybody you got to use my fake money that I print out of thin air, then I'll give you as much of it as you want. <laughs> and that's the deal that was made. Um, then they they tried to get their um, tentacles into the United States. And um, we had the first and second bank of the U.S. from 1791 to 1836. We went to this period of free banking from 1837 to 1863, which was kind of free markets. We saw the the central bank come back in 1863 to 1907. And that's where things got off the rails that's where things that's where the money really broke. Now you're listening to the Mark Moss show we're talking about Bitcoin we're talking about the decentralized revolution we're specifically talking about Bitcoin fixing the money but why is the money broken? It's because of the Fed the central bank. Ron Paul started the movement in the Fed and I am letting you know why the Fed has broken the money. I'll be right back. Don't go away. I'm going to explain to you inflation and deflation next. I'll be right back.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing but I never really knew what that meant.
3: All right, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss Show and we're talking about Bitcoin. (laughs) Each and every week, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And today, at this moment, right now, I'm explaining to you why why Bitcoin? Why does it matter? Why do we need to fix the money? Well, what's wrong with the money in the first place? Who broke the money? And it all boils down to the Fed. And so, uh, or the central banks, so we'll call it that. And so anyway, um, I was explaining that I was speaking at a conference with Ron Paul. And um, I read to you a quote from Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers, and he said that if the, if the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, and then deflation, um, then they'll deprive people of all property. So how do they use inflation and deflation? Well, the first thing is that understanding inflation is a very difficult subject. And so what happens is um, the Fed puts out this number, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, or we can call it CP lie because they're basically lying about the numbers. But the problem is that they're trying to boil down inflation into a single number, and you can't do that. Um, So if I was trying to measure the wind drag across a jet plane, I can't do that with arithmetic, nor can I boil that down to one number. No, it, it requires algebra, it requires physics, all these different things to do that. And to measure the inflation in the economy is also equally or probably way more difficult. There's Trillions of inputs. There's billions of people that make into this, make up this, and it affects us all differently. So if I drove to Alaska and looked at the Northern Lights, and I drove back, and you said, "Hey, Mark, 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 how how was the Northern Lights?" and I said, "Oh, it was really cool." <laughs> that would do nothing to explain to you what I saw. And so, trying to explain inflation in a single number is not going to work. Um, if I'm trying to buy a house in Austin, Texas. It's way different than trying to buy a house in um, Kansas City. So the inflation is different for me. If I'm not trying to buy a house at all, then inflation is even different for me. If I live in if I live in my parents' basement and watch Netflix all day, inflation doesn't really bother me. And so it affects us all differently. The easy way to look at this is the is what is it that actually inflates? It's the money supply. So inflation, like a balloon, means I'm increasing the volume of the air in the balloon, right? I'm inflating, I'm increasing the volume of the air. And so inflation means the money supply is increasing the in. So inflation is the increase in the money supply prices, prices go up, but they don't increase in volume, right? The price is just a signal. So the, so inflation doesn't actually work. It, that's not what it's meant to measure prices. Inflation is the money supply. So when the price of money goes up, then prices start to change. Now it, it, it affects them all differently. Some prices go up more than others, um, based off of scarcity, demand and things like that. And then it starts getting real crazy, because um, let's say the prices of things go up. And then that could affect um, the supply demand metrics. So now all of a sudden the supply chains start breaking down, and the supply chains start breaking down, because people can't get paid enough, they can't afford the gas, they can't afford to build new factories to get more products shipped out, etc. And that increases the prices even more. There's a there's a trillion reasons why prices could go up. The thing you just have to know real simply is when the money supply increases. Remember what was Thomas Jefferson's warning to us? He said that they would steal from us first by inflation, then deflation, okay? So basically they increase the money supply. When they increase the money supply, it signals to us that things are good. It signals to us that there's more consumption going on. I should increase my business, I should expand, things like that. Um, There's one other aspect to it and that is the inflation rate. So the Federal Reserve, the central bank, not only do they increase the money supply, they also adjust the interest rate. Now this is a key piece because the interest rate is what tells me as an entrepreneur what the rate is to buy money. What does that mean? How do you buy money? Well, if I want to buy a house, I don't want to put up all the money, so someone will loan me the money. I'm going to pay that money back in the future. The The cost for me to take the money today and pay it back later is the interest rate, and that should be set by supply and demand. So if there's more people trying to loan money than there are people trying to borrow, then the rates should go down. If there's more people trying to borrow than there are people lending, the rate would go up. And this is an important piece because that's what I use to base my um, decisions on. Price is truth. Okay, price is truth. It takes all this information, aggregates it and puts it together. The problem is that when the Fed artificially lowers the rates and artificially changes the money supply, it distorts the signal. And so now as an entrepreneur, I am using faulty information. So I think that, oh, the interest rate is good, that means that people are saving more, there's more capital to be deployed, and so that means there's probably more people that have capital to buy my products, so it's a good idea for me to go into this business right now. But that could be completely false. I used bad information, I used the price and I used the interest rates, but it's being distorted by the Fed. Does that make sense? It's not being done from a free market. And to add on to this, remember back to Thomas Jefferson's quote, he said that they would do it first through inflation and then deflation. All right? So think about this. Um, over the last two years, there's been $9 trillion in stimulus injection. So the, the Fed, the Central Bank of the United States, um, and, the, and the government has pumped in nine trillion dollars. It's about two centuries, 200 years of money creation has happened in the last like two years. So they injected, they pumped it up. They increased the money supply, which is of course made people go buy homes and homes were up 35% and, um, Um, Used cars are up 39% and stakes up 25% and gas is up 50%. Um, Supply chains are breaking down. Business is booming, right? All this money is sloshing around the system because, of course, they just injected $9 trillion. So, boom, everybody's booming. Everybody's growing. Everyone's buying new cars. Everyone's adding new businesses and all these things. The economy's soaring. Oh, uh uh-oh. Oh shoot! Now, now, now it's going too good, uh, too much inflation. So then, what do they do? They come and deflate. They come and suck the money out. So now we just saw in the last week, the Fed has now said that they're going to take instead of injecting money, they're going to completely cut that off, and they're going to increase interest rates. So first, they they dump a bunch of money in and lower the rates, so it creates all this activity, artificially, fake, and then they just go suck it all out and crash everybody. Now, you know, it's not good for you or me if we've acted on that information. So, business was booming, I couldn't keep up with it, so I went and bought some new trucks for my for my office. I I took over the office next door. I hired contractors and I built that out to expand my restaurant or my shop or whatever it may be. You know, I took on new loans because I wanted to get this new equipment or new shop or new um, whatever in order to expand because the economy is booming, right? Well, no, it's fake. It was only booming because they artificially put the money in. And the problem is I don't know when they're going to artificially pull the money back out. And so they just decided to do that. And now all of us, me, you, et cetera, everyone who's acted on those principles and we've decided to expand or grow our business on fake information, now we get crashed. And it's no fault of yours. I feel bad for for me. I feel bad for you. I feel bad for everybody. We're doing the best we can. You see that things are going. And if you don't build that business, if you don't invest, you get left behind because they're printing so much money. It's creating all this inflation. You have to do something. So you do the best that you can. You risk your life savings. You risk your family savings. You work crazy hours, all this time and effort and, and risk that you put into it just for them to artificially suck the money right back out. And, of course, you're not privy to know when that is, and neither am I. And that's why Thomas Jefferson warned that they would steal from us first by inflation and then deflation. Um, what the news tells you is that this is like a this, this phenomenon and they're trying to fight it, right? They're trying to fight inflation. They're trying to fight deflation. I want to prevent it from happening. No, 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 no they create it. Remember, inflation is the increase of the money supply. Deflation is deflating the money supply. So whenever you hear them saying they're trying to fight it, they're trying to protect you from it. No, uh -uh, that's not how it works. They are causing it. All right. Now, what a lot of people don't take into consideration is what are the societal impacts of this happening? so remember we're fixing the money we're going to fix the world but what's broken well society is falling apart and a lot of people think it might just be because people are crazy these days but what you might not realize is it's actually all because of the money i'm going to break down i got nine different metrics i'm going to give to you as soon as i get back i'm going to show you exactly how the money supply is breaking down society you listen to the mark Moss show about bitcoin don't go away All right, welcome back. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. And today, right now, I'm focusing on why. Why Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin, you know, we talk about Bitcoin is better money. If we fix the money, we fix the world. What's wrong with the world? And more importantly, what's wrong with the money? And uh, would you believe me if I told you that it was the money that broke the world? Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you, and so um, I'm not going to go back and recap everything that I've said before. But Thomas Jefferson warned us; one of the founding fathers of the United States warned us that the banks would use inflation and deflation to steal from us. And so I just talked about how they inflate, inflate the money supply by injecting, you know, nine trillion dollars over the last twenty months, and then they deflate it, and then they suck the money back out. And what happens is, uh, I mean, just look at the, the housing boom and bust of 2008. So they inject all this money into the, into the mortgage industry, and it causes people to go buy a bunch of homes. And what happens is humans are very basic, and you, and you rush towards pleasure, and you run from pain. And so as home prices are going higher, 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 or stocks are going higher, 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 everybody starts coming in. And the more people that come in, the more it goes up, more people sucked in. Eventually, everybody gets sucked in at the top, and then prices crash. So everyone bought at the top prices crash. And then the people sell at the bottom, take masses losses, millions of people in the United States lost their homes, millions of people went homeless, and had to go rent. Well, the government decided to print a bunch of money and give it to the bankers. And the bankers took that money and went and bought all the homes, the bargain basement prices. And instead of uh, millions of people owning homes, now millions of people rented homes. And then the government pumped the markets right back up. So now the banks owned all the homes and they were back above where they were previous to the crash of 2008. So it's through the inflation and the deflation that they transfer these assets back to Thomas Jefferson's quote. That's exactly what happened. They'd use inflation and deflation to rob the people of the land their forefathers had fought for. All right. And they do that by injecting money, then then pulling money out. Now, I was saying that on top of that, it has societal impact. All right. So for example, I mean, I have a series of charts here that are pretty hard to see because we're on the radio. Um, But we can see that um, really where things came off the rails. I said that the, the Federal Reserve, the central bank started in 1913. Um, but they were kind of kept in check. I'm not going to go deep into this. I talk about it other times, but they were kind of kept in check because we were on a gold back system. And so they couldn't just arbitrarily increase the money supply. They had to keep it within a, a within a um, within a correlation to the gold supply. But in 1971, President Richard Nixon severed the gold ties. And basically, all bets were off at that point, print as much money as we want. And so what we've seen is since 1971, we've seen this massive, massive, massive shift in the way the society works. And so one of the things, for example, is since 1971, um, economic – well, before 1971, economic growth um, – was growing up along with wages. But since 1971, things continue to get more expensive, but wages have stayed flat. So since 1971, adjusted for inflation, the average person isn't making any more money adjusted for inflation, but things continue to get more expensive. So what happens when it gets harder to live, right? I used to be able to have the American dream with one household, one person in the household working. Now two people have to work and we still can't have the American dream. So that starts setting off a whole domino effect of other things. So since 1971, you used to have, as I said, one person working in the family. Now today, two people have to work and you still can't stay ahead. Another big thing is since 1971, we went from having uh, wealth is goods and services, that so we need to be producing. So in the United States, we used to produce goods and services. Today, we've outsourced all the produce production to other countries, and now the main job in the United States and the, mo- the main outsourced um, product is speculation. And so today, unfortunately, one of the best ways to get ahead is gambling. And when I say gambling, I mean. Options trading on Robin Hood or trading cryptocurrencies or whatever it is speculation. The problem is is that wealth is goods and services, and so we should be creating goods and services. But today we have speculation that's just gone crazy um, since nineteen seventy one the um the uh, the amount of babies born to unwed mothers went off like a hockey stick, straight parabolic. um the divorce rate went through the roof. Um, and the incarceration rate. I mean, you, if you see these charts, as a matter of fact, um, you can go to a website. Um, it's called WTF Happened. WTF, you know what that stands for, happened in. 1971.com WTF happened in 1971.com. And you can see all these charts. And basically, it's just a series of charts and graphs that show what happened from what happened before 1971 and what happened after. And you will be completely shocked with what you see. Um, um, The obesity rate was stayed flat. And in 1971, the obesity rate just shot through the roof. Fiat money, created fiat food. Uh, The medical bills, the amount of money that we spend on medical bills shot up through the roof. And the life expectancy barely even changed. You break the money, you break the world. Now you got to go to that website, WTF happened in 1971.com to really grasp this. So um, you should check that out. But the problem is, as I said, you have broken money, you have a broken world. And a lot of people think that money is neutral. Money is uh, neutral. It's a tool, right? Um, Right? Come on, Mark, come on, right? Money is neutral. I could use it for good. I could I could use it for bad, right? No, not all money is equal. The fiat money system that the Federal Reserve makes is a system built on theft, on lies, and deceit. So theft, as they create more money, it steals the value from you. It's theft. It's lies and deceit. They don't tell us how many dollars they printed. They don't tell us how many dollars they have tomorrow. And so anything built on a system of theft, lies, and deceit is going to be inherently evil. It's inherently evil. Only sound money could be neutral, not a system that's controlled by these people that used to steal, lie, and thieve all right. And so that's what Bitcoin can fix. Bitcoin is the opposite. So if, if the fiat money system is built on theft, as they print more, they steal. It's lies and deceit. Bitcoin is the opposite. Uh, it's truth. Nobody can print more. They can't use Bitcoin to steal from you. No one can steal your Bitcoin either by taking it from you, nor can they create more of it, which steals the value from you. Um, instead of lies and deceit in a system that we don't know how many dollars are created or how many they're going to make next year. Remember we talked about inflation and deflation, how these bankers decide to inflate and punch a put a bunch of money in and we make a bunch of decisions and then they suck the money out and then we're just victims and we get all crashed. Well, no one can do that with Bitcoin. No one can create more of it. No one can inflate it artificially and no one can deflate it artificially. It's exactly the opposite and it ha- it's open it's open source so we can see all this. We can see that um, how many Bitcoin are there, who has them, how many has been moved around. We can also see that it's, it's uh, decentralized so nobody can control it. So it's not a matter of taking the power from the, the Fed, from the central banks, and giving it to another group of people who are better. It's not about um, taking it from this bad actor and giving it to this person because we think they're going to be better. It's about taking it from the hands of anybody. So nobody has the power to create more of it. Nobody has the power to, to change the rules. That's the big difference. The big difference of, of the Federal Reserve it's the big difference of other cryptocurrencies that have decentralized governance. We don't want governance. We don't want the rules changed. So hopefully, that, hopefully that makes sense. Um, what I say about Ron Paul is, like I said, he started a movement. He highlighted why we want to end the Fed, and I am trying to carry the torch for him. Hopefully, that makes sense to you. Um, we have Bitcoin now. When Ron Paul came out in 19, in, um, in two thousand nine, um, ironically, it's the exact same time that Bitcoin was re- was released. Um, but he wrote this time at a bu- uh, this book at a time when we didn't actually have a tool to actually achieve the things that he said. But today we do. We don't have an excuse anymore. We have the tool that we need um, to fix the money and fix the world go back and fix all those problems in society that the money is causing. Um, For reference, go check out that website WTF happened in 1971.com. You're listening to the Mark Moss show. And um, we're talking about Bitcoin in a long roundabout way today. So thanks for sticking with me. Uh, It's important to understand these things. Because if you don't understand the problem, you're never going to understand the solution or why we need it or why it matters or why it's relevant. Otherwise, you're going to be out there trying to solve problems that don't need to be solved. But this is the big problem. It's the money. Um, You listen to The Mark Moss Show, talking about Bitcoin, talking about the decentralized revolution. I'm on this channel each and every week at the same time. Don't miss it. Thanks so much for listening.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
0: is going on a road trip. I thought...
4: Thank you.
2: 18 plus.